This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we are talking about a few things that are really annoying. Like us. Even worse. (laughs) We list 10 of the most annoying things wine snobs do. They're even more annoying than us. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Today we'll list some of the most annoying things that wine snobs do. We have another list of the most common faux pas by regular people, but this is what they say they do. We will commiserate, not make fun of them. (laughs) We have questions from listeners about some annoying behavior they've seen, and we'll look for even more chances to make fun of wine snobs. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we're actually thanking wine snobs. Because they give us our best material. Exactly. We list 10 of the most annoying things wine snobs do, and you can see most of these watching wine snobs in the wild at a party, a restaurant, a tasting room. Yeah, this isn't one of those, you know, top 10 lists, is it? No, 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 no. Actually, uh, those snobby wine bloggers' top 10 lists could be one of our annoying things because nobody (laughs) makes a funny top 10 list. That's right. David Letterman sort of ruined the comedy world by doing that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, so uh, we are going to... The, uh, we're going number 10, number one. But once again, this is just our list. This is just a random list because there are so many things. Actually, Rick, this is your list. Right? Well, it is kind of my list. Yeah, I've but that's okay. But it's no, a it good has list. some of your suggestions yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah, so yeah. I, I contributed. It's a common list, yes. Um, or, or abetted. You abetted, yes. <laughs> and if you have your own, feel free to email us and let us know and we'll, we, we will mention. So my first one is, and I saw this only recently, uh, but this happens a lot, is wine guys, and it's always guys, arguing at a party as, as if they're impressing other guests. Right. You know, it's Oregon Pinot, no, Santa Barbara Pinot. Right. And they're so loud that what you really want to do is just hit them with a wine bottle. Right. And this is very much like the two baseball fanatics who get into the batting averages of Rod Carew versus <laughs> oh, uh, Rod Tony Carew. Gwynn. Yeah. And they get into it, and nobody else in the room could care at all. Actually, baseball, they care more about Rod Carew and Tony Gwynn than yeah. the Oregon versus Santa Barbara Pinot. But yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. But it is that, it's that show thing, you know. Right. It's yeah. not really saying anything that that's, that involves passion. It's just saying I know more than you do. You know, at some point, it gets to the point where I, I think it's even more than that. It's even worse than that. It isn't even that I know more than you do. It's hey, look, people, look how much the two of us know. <laughs> right. There's that too because yeah, it, it takes two people to create the full show. Right. And and yes, and and you can see their tail feathers extending as they right. go. <laughs> Right. So I got one for you. Okay. Uh, I guess this will be number nine then, which is people who buy wines that they're never going to drink. Right. You, you, yes. The, they just buy them so they can tell people that they, they bought own them. them. They own them. Yes. They own them. Yes. We yeah. have those guys. We have a, a similar version of that. Right. What they should do, spend the money on a painting because at least they can look at it. Or right. take the wine bottle and hang it on the wall. Well, they can go into their cellar and touch the bottles. That's true. You know, I mean, that's as good as anything, I guess. Yeah, it's the if you, but if you have, you know, like many people do, either a wine refrigerator or a cellar like yours, which right. re- requires uh, repelling gear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, you you can't casually walk your friends through and say, "Oh yes, look at this. That's at my this. Lafitte Rothschild. That's right. I, yes, I a little bobble I bought." Of course, the fun one is the guy who puts it all on his Excel spreadsheet and then emails it to all his friends so that they can add up the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that guy needs to be slapped. <laughs> okay, what else do you have? All right. 
And we've talked about this person before, the wine snob, which is very typical wine snob behavior, who always dislikes whatever wine is popular right. or, or that someone else likes. Right. Right. And this is not confined just to the wine business. That's you true. Know, this is also music. There are the people oh, who, yeah, 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 if yeah. music is popular, it can't be good. Yes. Uh, if food is popular, it can't be good. And yeah, anybody, you know, there are the sommelier, some, admittedly, the hot young sommelier who wants to show how much he knows by saying, I don't like anything that's popular. Right. And so he's got people coming into his restaurant. Trying to be happy. It's usually him, too, again. He's got people coming into his restaurant they want to be happy. They want to be happy. They want to enjoy they their want meal. They want to enjoy their meal. And he's messing with them. And he's telling them that what they like is wrong and right. they should like something else right. instead. You, you fool, do not <laughs> order that. <laughs> you know, these days they never have a French accent. They're That's more true. hipster-like. you yeah. got to do your hipster accent. I don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, I, I, I am clearly not hip. Right. Among, well, this I, ties into mine, my next one, which okay. is people who serve wine to other people to educate them. Yes. I know you like white Zinfandel, but what you really ought to try is <laughs> Gruner Veltliner. Yeah. Well, or, or even worse, it's you know it's Nero Davola, yeah, it's right. right? Which is a you know a big Italian wine that's right. It's gonna not be anything close, right? Yeah. Yes. But the idea is you're drinking the wrong thing. I'm going to educate you. This is a little bit like someone taking a bunch of teenagers who are listening to rock and roll and inviting them over the house to listen to opera. You know, uh, I grew up in a house where, where my parents loved opera. Mine too. They tried to educate me, and <laughs> it, it made me hate Sunday afternoons. <laughs> Although I still remember when I was about 13 or 14 years old, we were driving on a long family car trip uh, across the Northwest, and there were no radio stations anywhere around, and we finally found one radio station to listen to, and it was a rock and roll station. And Jefferson Airplane playing White Rabbit. And I remember sitting in the back seat with my sister rocking out to this song, and my mom had her hand or arm up on the back of the you know the bench seat up in front, and we just freaked out because her, her fingers yep. were tapping to the beat. Baby. See, so maybe instead of that song arguing with the person who likes a white zin or a buttery chardonnay, they should actually try one. That's right. They should actually try one and drink one <laughs> and say might, okay. It might turn out to be <laughs> right. delicious. What else you got? Uh, so, uh, the, you know, those things where, and, and this is, it goes a little to yours about uh, people who buy wines not, and not drink them. Not drink them. It's yeah. those people that you have conversations with, and I had this with a guy not so long ago, and it was excruciating. When they tell you all about the wines they've had. Yes. And it's just that. That's the conversation. Right. You know, maybe they'll mention the place, but the place is only another way to brag. And, and they won't really talk about what the wine was like, no. they will just rattle it off as if they're, it's their little black book. It's a punch list. Yes. It's that they've had a That's punch right. list. You know? right. and it's, One it, of the it, most memorable for being boring dinners that I ever attended was with two with guys. With me, right? That time we no, went to No, it wasn't no. with you because okay. these, were, these were two extremely knowledgeable wine people. Ah. So oh, it so couldn't it have been me. with yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that wasn't And me. they got off on telling each other now, the, you know, the 45 you can was, oh, no, well, I, you know, the 29. Yeah. And they yeah. would go literally, if one picked a different vintage, then the other ones, well, if you really want the 29, then what the wine you ought to be drinking is, well, if you really like that wine, then and this went on for an hour and a half. Yeah. And the rest of us at the table, our faces were in our plates. We were so bored. And, you know, we had made that, that music uh, analogy before. This is where music is 
so different because in music, what happens is if you run across something that somebody else likes, yes, they agree. You start getting excited. Yeah, yeah. They Maria Callas. Oh, right. Maria yeah, Callas. Yes, and you know, and Placido and, Domingo. But it's so uncool for though that that class of snob to actually agree. Yes, no, it's always mm. a one-upmanship. Yeah, right, yep. right, right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how about people who criticize other people for they're at their house, right. they're invited, they're guests. And then they point out that either the wine is probably a little too warm or maybe it's the wrong wine for the dish or the wine glasses aren't really right for this kind of wine or they're doing something. They're guests in somebody right. else's house. Right, right. And they're peeing in the pool. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, coming out of the bathroom and saying, you know, those are really hideous towels you have in there. <laughs> <laughs> who, who picked this art on the walls? Yeah, what is wrong with you? You're painting your house this color? <laughs> That's right. That's right. It is something, boy. But And wine, for people who have that, it's like it's like the they don't have the a gene to make them aware not to be jerks. Not to be jerks, yeah. yeah. And this also ties in with one that I don't think is on our list, but I'm going to add it right now. So this will be a corollary. This okay. will be whatever number we are, yeah. A. A or B or whatever it is. This is 5A. Which, which is the people who bring wine to your house, and whether it goes with the dinner or not, they insist they want to drink that wine instead of the wine you have picked to go with, with the food your meal, right. because they want to drink their wine because it's better than anything you could possibly serve them. Right. And if anybody's listened to this show, you, you've heard us say over and over, the minute you walk in the door and hand somebody a bottle of wine, it's their wine and, now. It's, and not, it's yours. not yours. They can do whatever they want with it. That's right. Yeah, Including, yeah. including smack you over the head and kick you back out of the house <laughs> if you're starting to behave like that. Yeah. yeah all right. Uh, my next one, number four, it's a restaurant thing. Okay. And it's it's the Psalms who craft. They craft their, you know, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here for, yes. since we're I can on see TV. those, but yes. I, I may be the yes. only one. Yes, right? I could bang on the mic. It wouldn't help. Um, <laughs> uh, they craft wine lists that are, that are frightening and unrecognizable, but way overpriced. Well, wait. I think you're using the wrong term there. Aren't they curated? Oh, they're curated. <laughs> right. Yes. They're, they're, uh, they're fermented lists. Yeah. Or, or the other thing they're doing is just buying wine and trying to resell it to you. That's what they're, That's really, what they're doing. really doing. But right. no, this is a curated, crafted list. Yes. Yes. We have, uh, you know, I've, we've got, I've got examples. We all have examples. But I think I think it's, I should actually have looked at what my uh Writing example is today, but I think it's a restaurant explaining its uh, curated list. Yeah, oh and, great, and, and it's it's oh, horrific, great. you know. And instead of once again, like we were saying, having some wines on there to to help. In fact, you remember in a show a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a, a study that the Cornell School of Hospitality Management right. did, which it was showed that there's wine sales go up dramatically, as much as forty percent when there are wines that are recognizable on, on the, the list. list. Right. Even if they don't buy those wines, it gives right. them it, it gives them a reference point. It gives them a reference point, and it makes them feel a little bit more as if they're comfortable. Right. They're not. That's. It's not like yeah. the. It's not like the hipster or the uh, super cool psalm is kind of raised middle finger. Thanks right. for coming in, you <laughs> you fool. That's right. That's right. So my next one is fits right in with us because we do this all the time, and it's people who lecture other people about wine. Yes, we are annoying. That is true. <laughs> you know, the person who just stands up and says, you know what you ought to be drinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, I actually find it really awkward when I'm on an airplane or in a social situation and somebody comes up to me and says, you know, 
that we start talking, they discover I'm in wine. They say, what should I be drinking? Yeah. Um, and I always have to tell them, you know, you should be drinking what you like to drink. Yeah. That's what you should be drinking. Yeah. Uh, please don't drink what I like because on the one hand, there's less of it for me. And on the other hand, you probably <laughs> won't like it. So two reasons not to drink what I like. You know, we could do a whole show on that. Don't drink what I like because there's less of it for me. But it's funny because there are this, it's almost this like, it's, this religious fervor that if you like a certain kind of Pinot Noir or a certain grape or whatever right. it is, that, right. that's the only wine, the only style that should be out there. Right. As if— Right. And how many times, as we have talked before as well—in fact, we were talking just before the show—how many times is the guy who's telling you this is the wine you've got to drink, if you'd asked him six weeks ago, he'd never heard of it? Yes. He has <laughs> just discovered it, and suddenly it's the greatest thing yes. on the planet, yes. and everybody's got to drink it. Six weeks ago, he was happy. He didn't know about that wine. Everything was fine. Yeah. Which is entirely different from somebody who said, hey, six weeks ago, I found this great wine. Give it a try it. if you can. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Let That's me tell different. you why I love it. Yeah. That's yeah. way different. That's and then, way you know, different it, than saying, diff- I just found this wine. Here's what you should drink. Right. Passing along your own joy is way different from lecturing people. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, what else you got, Rick? So it's the this one really annoys me, which yeah. is people who teach people to, quote, how to be a wine snob. They use that phrase or sometimes how to be a wine pro, but it's like how to be a wine snob. Like they miss the fact that one of those words is snob. (laughs) It is not a compliment. How to be a jerk. Yes. Yes. Here's how you too can be a jerk (laughs) with wine. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know those people that you hate in a restaurant setting or even at a party? Here's how to be just like them. (laughs) Yeah. And it's amazing. (laughs) Remember, it was now a couple months back and we should, I got to dig this one back up. Remember we had, it was a, it was a, a, it was a country down in in, uh, the Caribbean, but it was a national tourism organization. Right. Was telling you to study up. Study up when you went wine tasting. So you can impress people. So that you could impress. Exactly. Dear Lord. Yes. Dear Lord. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. Number one. Dum, 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 dum. Okay. My all-time favorite. And is, I agree with this, by the way. people who hold their glass phone. <laughs> That's right. What is, you know, the, the, wine glass. How hard is it? It's got right. a stem. You yes. grab the stem. You drink it. If you want to grab it with your whole, if you want to grab it with both hands, yeah, that's fine. That's okay. Right. And it's the guy who's, as we've seen, and it's the, that person. And you know, they're holding he, he it by the it stem, that the base, the, the little foot. round base that's from right. the bottom. And you know, okay, they hand it to you. You're moving around. You got it that way for a second. But the guy who walks around, and once again, it's always a guy. It's always a guy who walks around a party like right. that. You know, one of the things it tells you. He doesn't know how to let go of the glass because there is no way that you can take that glass now and put I it down. I do want to watch that guy drink it like that. That's true. You know? <laughs> that's when you keep the wine away around. Usually, usually that guy is wearing an ascot, by the way. That's, that's right. That's right. It's, that's right. It's, and, and a T-shirt and a jacket and an ascot yeah, all together. Yeah. 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 This, is, uh, this is not uh, in no way a total list. These are, as we said, the 10 things that we thought of. Right, right at the bat. Yeah, we actually put no effort into this list at all. Yeah, so you know, like uh, maybe number eleven ought to be just lazy radio hosts. I think we're. I think we should be on the list. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that would be us. But we're going to do some honest work next because we're going to take some questions. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Next up, you ask us about snobs. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. It's time to take questions from listeners. If you'd like to ask us a question, go to rickandpaulwine.com. That is all one word, Rick and Paul Wine. We spell out and, and look for us on iTunes. You can subscribe for free, just a little bitty click. 
If you're new to us and you might want to know what qualifies us to answer questions or make lists about annoying wine snob activity. Well, we're pretty annoying all by ourselves. That is very true. Nonetheless, Paul has managed to become a respected industry pro despite hanging out with me. He answers questions on allexperts.com. He teaches at Napa Valley College, the Cullen Institute of America, all over the place around the world. Sometimes he gets to go on a cruise now and then and teach. Yep, I do. And Rick, a couple of different books you've written, uh, including one New York Times bestseller on the Barefoot Boys, and a longtime journalist, uh, wine commentator on Capital Public Radio. It's it's as if you knew something. It's surprising, isn't it? All right, our first question comes from Ruth Watson in Burlingame. She says, I was visiting my cousin in Washington, D.C., We went to a restaurant in Georgetown because that's where all the cool places are. And when I told the wine guy I was from California, he almost rolled his eyes saying they don't like to carry California wines. They had a couple, but he said they don't like to carry them. What is that about? Didn't we just talk about this guy? <laughs> yeah, Didn't exactly. we talk about that, the guy who doesn't was, like the wines that everybody else likes? He was, because I think he was number cool 11, 7, 4, and 3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a perception amongst a certain class of, of wine snob that it's okay to say you don't like wines from a certain region. My experience in general is those people are pretty ignorant. Yes. Because they don't like Australian wines. Well, it turns out that Australia makes a vast range of wines, and not everything in Australia tastes like yellowtail. So if you don't like the biggest and most popular brand from the region, drink something else from that region, and you'll find it's pretty interesting. Same is true of California. Same is true of France. People don't like Burgundy, don't like Bordeaux. Fine. Find something else. There's plenty of good wine in that region. It just means that if you want to find it, you have to work a little bit. And the problem is, if you're trying to show off how much you know about wine, telling people that you like California wine is a little bit like telling people you like Top 40 Radio. It doesn't take any brains, so how smart can you be? Yes, and there's a reason why lots of people like California wine, because there's lots of very great California California wine. In fact, it's about 80% of the market in the U.S. Yeah. And so yeah, it's, it's like Actually, saying, Rick, I'm going to correct you on that. It's about 70%. Okay, 70%. There yeah. you go. Still. So, so 70%. So I, just want to say, I just want to say that when we're talking about wine snobs, you want to get your percentages right. Because <laughs> Rod Carew. Yeah. Well, I think it was, if, if, if it, but it was a little bit more of a split finger era. No. The, uh, well, but it's nonetheless, seven, okay, that's um, these massive numbers. It, there's a reason. There's a reason why California is 70% because they yes. make the, it's vast, it's crazy. Easy, different. Yeah. There's so many different kinds of wines. So if you don't like yeah. wines from California, what kind don't you like? But part of the problem too is, is like you said, it's, I mean, it's very, it's also very East Coast. But the, you know, is it's that too easy? It's, Liking California wine is too easy. If you're really going to show that you have great discernment, you have to like things that nobody else likes. Well, that shows you have real discernment. Also, you're a wine person and you're not in California, right? So you're right. saying, well, yeah. I don't. I don't need to be there. I'm, right. I'm. What What is funny to me is people who complain about the wine lists in in other parts of the country. Try going to France and buying a wine that isn't made in France. Yeah. Try going yeah. to Spain or Italy and try and buying a wine right. that isn't made in that mm-hmm. country. And yet, in the U.S., thirty plus percent of all the wine we drink comes from other countries. Not because California wine isn't good, but because we drink everything and we like everything, and that makes us the best market in the world. It's also, I think, a lot of that sense that for some people have, it's like rooting for the Yankees. You know, uh-huh. they're the, they're the big yeah, dogs. That could be one of the things that I find 
absolutely hilarious is uh, our our friends at Bolo who are just down the road from where we're recording this. They're in Clarksburg. They're one of the the, the 14th largest wine company in the U.S. I think they're at now at like 1.8 million cases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, they have been very good. They are actually a family-run operation. Yep. It is family all over the place, yep. and they're very good at what they do. And they're relatively inexpensive, and they absolutely deliver quality for the price. I when I was last time I was in New York, now it was about two years ago. Yep. But you know, I was looking around and. It was on, in some places, the only California wine on wine lists. Right. And a couple of times I asked, why do you have Bogle? You know, I, I, right. He goes, we like them because there's this small family winery. <laughs> right. Well, and, and ironically, <laughs> ironically, Bogle has an absolutely classic California style. Exactly right. They are, they are not, they're people if, who are not carrying California wines and then carrying Bogle are not carrying Bogle because they're, they're the outlier. They right. are the heart. Of the California yeah, which, which we say as a compliment, but what's so funny is that these really super cool guys yes. fell for the advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All cool. right, our next question comes from uh, one of our regular listeners, our friend Jill McCarthy in Fresno. She uh-huh. says, is there a difference between French oak and American oak, and can a beginner tell the difference? Yes. French oak and American oak. Those are the, <laughs> that's the basic difference. It's the difference. accent. It's you can, the tell, accent. You you can, can tell, tell the difference. You can tell by how right. they say oak. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they the Americans draw out their vowels. Oh, is, yeah, the American, American way, way long. No, actually, there. This is a really, really, really complicated question, Jill. There is a kind of simple answer to it, and then we'll explore how it gets a little more complicated. Uh, basically, in the good old days, there is a kind of basic difference in that traditional French oak barrels had more of a vanilla kind of cinnamon character that they added to the wine. And the California oak barrels had a little simpler, more almost a sort of a dill character that they added I to the wine. I thought it was the other way around. I thought that American oak was more vanilla-y. Mm, uh, California oak ha- or American oak has more of that sort of dill character. Mm-hmm. Having said that, After people started doing experiments with all this stuff, one of the things they discovered was that the oak that they used from France for the barrels, they had harvested and they had allowed to dry in the air. It's called air dried. So you just let that. Wait, wait. So it's drying in the air. It's called air dried. Air dried. Just want to make sure I had that. I just want to. I said this is relatively simple. That was technical. Okay. I didn't want to get too tricky with you. So the air dried oak, and for a long period of time, a couple of years. American oak barrels traditionally, because they were made, they weren't going to get the same prices. They wanted to speed up the process. They used kilns. They basically baked the oak a little bit uh, not, to dry not it out. Not little handheld blow dryers. Not hair dryers. Okay, no, just, hair dryers just would not work. Although Rick, what you know about hair dryers, it's got been, me. It's been decades. <laughs> <laughs> However, once people started making barrels out of American oak that had been air dried exactly the way the French oak had been dried, turns out there's a lot less difference. So it may actually have more to do with, and here is a great wine geek thing to do in a tasting room. Don't ask them if the oak they age their wine in is French or American. Ask them if it is air dried or kiln dried. You know, I have to say one, I did um, a tasting at one of the, uh, uh, ran a tasting uh, for one of the local wineries and they had the same lot and they were just right. basically did this for one of the events they did sure. up there. They had the same lot, and it was uh, partially aged, and it, they had French oak, American oak, and Hungarian oak. Right. And there's and it, Slavonian, Slovakian, yeah. and Slovenian oak, too. Well, yes. And those are all, the, S, the S oaks we're not even getting into. <laughs> but uh, but there, was, there was absolutely a difference between the three. There were differences, yeah. 
But frankly, what most winemakers do, they don't generally use just one kind of oak. Right. Because it's like cooking with a sauce. You want to have a little garlic. You want to have a little pepper. You want to have a little something else in there. So most winemakers use a blend of different oaks to give their wines a little more complexity. The answer is this is a really interesting question, and you don't need to worry about it too much, Jill. But again, if you want to impress your wine geek friends, say it doesn't matter about French or American. Tell me whether it's kiln-dried or air-dried. All right. One last question. It's kind of a simple one from Lawrence in Sacramento. He said, you guys talked about bringing wine to parties during the holidays a while ago. What about when it's hot out? What's a good wine to bring to a party or a picnic in the summer? I know your answer. Which is? Bubbly. You got it. And it's I'm going to go bubbly. with dry rosé. Yeah. And I thought, you can I drink it with might. barbecued yeah. food. You can drink it with fish. You can drink it with everything. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you have or anything cold. Anything, know, cold. anything cold. Anything it, cold. That's uh, you. Um, that that's always a good thing to do. Uh, you know. So so bring the nice thing about summer parties is that uh, that because those lighter whites and colds and rosés and and champagnes are, are the kinds of wines that uh, that will go. Um, you know, pretty much as a sipping wine. That that's a, you great. can drink it on its own. You can yep. drink it with food. All right, we will uh, talk lots more in the second half of the show. That's it for questions. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. We will be right back. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. That music always makes me so happy, although it's such a sad thing that we're talking about, which is, means it is time for our really horrible wine writing. Yes, it is. And, you know, I, I'm interested. When I when I speak around the country and I do the one part of this show that people tell me they really love is the horrible wine. Yeah, yeah. You know, we should we should have longer horrible wine writing. It's <laughs> oh, so God. easy to find. It is pretty easy <laughs> to find. My word for the day is agile, or ah. as some people pronounce it, agile. 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 An, an agile wine. So that would be like a point guard wine, right? Not not a center. Oh, uh, quick on its feet. Yeah. So yeah. it's a wine that you don't want to just put on a counter because you know it could it's, dance Oh, it's going right to move off. on you. Yeah. It's going to move. You've yeah. got, I have no I hate idea those what wines. agile you know, means. I, I often, what I often do is I, I put in a zone defense when I open up an agile <laughs> wine. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and pour it in bigger glasses because you're just not sure where it's going to sit. I am I am with you. I have absolutely no idea what a wine writer means. I think what they mean it's lighter or lively or something fresh. Right. I but guess. But those wines have to do with flavor. Agile, I have no idea what it means. Yes, yes, that is our that is our um, unless it were really really bubbly. <laughs> yes. Hop out of that the That could be it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, what do you got? Well, bear with me because this is that restaurant with the crafted, cultured oh, wine. curated, but yes. Curated wine list. This is their description of their wine program. And I read this a whole bunch of times. I still have no <laughs> idea what it means. Good. All right, so so hang on, hang on here, folks. The restaurant name removed so they don't sue us. Wine program aims to shift the point of view away from the wine consumer slash wine critic and toward the person who understands wine on a more intimate level, the winemaker. Okay, so they're selling wine to winemakers. Apparently. You know, I, I have some advice for them, Rick. Winemakers never buy wine. Yeah. They just trade for yeah, it. That's so true. this is a complete waste oh, of time on their point. It gets worse. Okay. We are interested in a larger conversation. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> Predicated on the belief 
which is like gibberish, we are interested in a larger conversation predicated on the belief that the, quote, art of winemaking is an extension of the relationship between the people and the place where it is created. By place, we mean terroir as well as a wine's place within a lineage. God knows what that means. The evolution of winemaking practices within that lineage, the personalities, the communities, the myriad relationships that exist between food, family, and tradition that ultimately bring a wine to life. Wow. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I, but I don't think I want to watch it happen. I'm getting a beer if I go to that place. <laughs> lordy, right. lordy, lordy, lordy. Right. Could I? Do they have reds and whites, or is the... <laughs> I don't know. What they have is they have lineage wines. Lineage wines. Yes, yeah. I have. It is. I don't. I, I don't. I can't even begin to understand what they're talking about. I here. do love the line: "Art of winemaking is an extension of the relationship between the people and the place where it's created." Doesn't don't isn't your immediate reaction? Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Let's see. People were someplace and they made wine, and from the grapes on that spot and that, that seems creates to be a larger conversation predicated on the belief that the art of winemaking has something to do with the people in the place and you let know, me repeat because i believe my comment is accurate duh uh, yeah well you know what has the larger conversation it's those two guys at the party i think wine uh, uh number 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 eight that's right <laughs> that's, that's that, right. let them have the larger conversation let them have the larger conversation. we are not having it at we that just restaurant. like a glass to drink all right. Uh, there you go. If you're listening to Bod Talk with Rick and Paul, don't forget, by the way, you can find us on iTunes and subscribe for free with just a click. We're coming right back with uh, a little bit of history. We are not doing history today. We've forgotten our history. No, you know why we're not doing history today? Because we have more because wine we have snubs, a good yeah. list. We have another good list. Oh, okay, good. Uh, and there is, I suppose, some history in this because it's the British. Uh, but what ah. this is, this is a list of British folk uh, who were surveyed uh, by the International Wine Challenge, which is, right. a, is a big wine competition, big wine competition yeah. based in England, and yep. they, you know, they do a lot of things. They and they do some marketing stuff around it, but they wanted to know what the regular British folk thought. And this is a nice list. It, they thought with their mistakes. This so, is the worst. The, the British people said these are the worst things, things you can that do. With we wine. did. So it's it's like you and me telling all the dumb things we do. This list no, only this, has this, this list is, isn't long enough. No, it's not even close, <laughs> and it's got twenty things on it. No, we well, ours would ours would take four shows. Pages. So we don't we don't have. Well, that that'll that'll be uh, that'll be yeah that'll be encyclopedic. At so some here, point. I'll tell you what. Let's keep track, Rick, and let's keep score, and let's see who wins here. Let's see which of these we have done, <laughs> right? Because these right. the British people say these are all the things they do wrong. So now let's see. Okay, how many do we do, and why? All right. All right. So what's the first one? Well, um, the first one is not such a horrible thing. Putting red wine in the fridge. I've done it many times. I have done that too. And and there's a good reason for it. Is the wine's too warm. The wine's too warm. Yeah. And the easiest way to do it is to put the wine in the fridge. Yeah. So what's wrong with that? Well, I think that's the classic beginner who feels like they shouldn't, so they don't. Right. Okay. We're, and do, do do we want to talk about each one of these individually? Uh, we're gonna we're not. Well, there's too many to talk about. So, but okay. but this is one. Is this look? You know, if and if you did accidentally put your and leave it in there overnight. So you take it out an hour or two before you're going to serve it, and it'll be totally fine. It's not right. like you ever hurt the wine. And, and room temperature means room temperature in a stone castle. Yes. It doesn't mean room temperature in a condo in Maui. Right. So that is actually true, that that one of the things that is often the case is, and, and often in restaurants, but just because they've got so much going on, but is that red wines are often served a little too, too warm. warm. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. Yes. Uh, the second one, uh, I can say I have not done. 
used a corkscrew on a screw cap. Yeah, no, I haven't done that either. That takes some doing. It, well, you have to. The, the reason you do this is you don't cut the foil. If you cut the foil on a wine bottle, there's no way you're ever going to put a corkscrew through a screw cap. Yes. If you don't cut the foil, if you want to just stick your cork puller right through the foil and yank the cork out through the foil, then there's yeah, a that chance could you happen. could do this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, so we're our, one, we're, our, our engineer, Matt Bassini, is uh, pointing to himself in there. Okay. So we're one for two. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, drinking from the bottle. Guilty. Uh, I've done that myself. Right. Yes. And on a memorable picnic in the Loire Valley in France, eating a roast rabbit with my wife and sitting across the river from a castle and drinking red wine straight out of the bottle, and it was one of the most romantic lunches we've ever had. I've often done that from a tequila bottle, but I can never remember what happens next. (laughs) (laughs) Asking for ice in your wine. Guilty. Guilty. Yes, absolutely. That is that, once again, that wine that is too, that's a little too warm. Yeah, or not, not asking, just scooping a couple yeah. of cubes out of the water glass yeah. and dumping it in yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. Serving wine in a glass with old lipstick stains. Uh, Only by one. accident. Yeah, that's I mean, one I really kind of want to avoid. Although, if you want to remember which glass is yours, wear a really distinctive well, lipstick. I was going to say it's why I wear clear lipstick now, so that I <laughs> the stains won't show. Okay, good. Uh, d- uh, no, with chipped glasses, that's an easy one. Uh, and yeah. here's here's a funny one: trying to unscrew a cork. Ah, it's the opposite of the, the corkscrew. Of the screw cap. I'm not yeah. quite sure how that would happen. I have to say that one wasn't me. No, I haven't done that one either. Right. Okay. Okay. Now this one, taking a cheap bottle to a party. Well, if depends cheap on the party. means how much you paid for it, right? Because I people give me wine a lot of times. I have taken wine. I have regifted wine to a party. Does that count as taking cheap wine to a party? I, I th- well. It depends if the wine was initially cheap. Usually not. Yeah. Usually not. Yeah. What's well, yeah? Uh, okay. You know. But it depends on the party. It depends. Totally depends on the party. If it's a big bash with lots of people running around, you know, it's it's uh, pretty uh, tough. Inexpensive, simple wines, the wine to bring. It's pretty tough to go to a party in the Napa Valley where I live and bring a oh, cheap bottle of wine without everybody looking at you and throwing things. Yeah. Well, that says something. Yeah. Gulping wine rather than sipping it. Well, okay. I'm going to say guilty, but not in 35 years or 40 years. Oh, you know, one day I got home from work. No, I, <laughs> me either. When I gulp okay. something, it's, a, it's generally not wine. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not bringing a bottle, but drinking everyone else's. Mm, I don't think I've done that one. Yeah. Well, you know, it depends. I suppose if you you know get a dinner and everybody's brought a bottle of wine and you didn't have one. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how bad a faux pas that is. It's yeah. always nice to bring a bottle if you can. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this one is absolutely not a, uh, a sin, drinking it out of a tumbler. No, in fact, I've done that many a time. If you're drinking out of the bottle, drinking out of the tumbler yeah, is a tum- step yeah, up. Some, sometimes there's glass. Hey, uh, camping? Yeah. Absolutely. Now, this is a bad one, actually. Uh, pouring yourself a glass before pouring others on the table. That Only one, if you're going to taste it. Well, there's that. If you but brought that's a, a bottle that's a point and you sip. pour a tiny little taste to sip, but other than that, yeah, you you know, in, in, in Japan, it is considered the ultimate faux pas that your glass should be empty and none of your friends care enough to top you up. Yeah. How sad that your friends are such losers. That's ter- terrible friends. Terrible you should friends. remember that when we go out, right? There is a corollary to that which I'm going to jump down to, which is asking the waiter to pour more wine when they want you to taste it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. That, one's, that That is, you know, we always talk about there aren't too many embarrassing things that you can do. You should should not be embarrassed yeah. by that one. You Could I have a little more, please? Yes. yes. <laughs> that was really I was, good. I was with the guy who did. We were all young, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. This is a good one, too. Shaking the bottle before serving. <laughs> wow. I don't know how that happens. No, well, no, but I have had someone do that in a restaurant. 
um, because they wanted to decant the wine, and they felt that the wine needed a lot of aeration, and they literally poured it into a decanter and shook the living daylights out of it. Oh, and, and I think it probably improved the wine, but it was a little bizarre to look at. I, I believe you skipped one, which is asking for a slice of lemon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm going to say I haven't done this with wine, but I have done it with water where the water just was was alkali enough. You know, it was that yeah. kind of soapy local water, and a little slice of lemon or lime freshens it up a little bit. Well, if your wine is so bad that you need a slice of lemon, I say go You should for drink it. Corona. Yeah, or then go ask for a beer. They're one a sponsor. Uh, a couple more here. Uh, these are, these are, uh, these, I'm putting these two together. Pronouncing the T in Pinot Noir. Okay. Pronouncing the T in Merlot. Okay. You know what? Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. I haven't done it, but I don't care. Who cares? Who cares? Um, the last one, taking a bottle home with you at, that you brought after it wasn't open at the hostess party. <laughs> okay, that one's not good. Yeah, that one's not good. Although you did skip one, which is um, putting uh, lemonade oh, yeah. in red wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm saying I've done that because I've made sangria. Sure. And that's all sangria sure. is. Sure. And it's delicious, and it's a great summer drink. And you, there's another one complaining that the red wine isn't cold. And I'm going to say I have complained that the red wine isn't or, cool it, enough. Or at least too hot, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at this whole list. How many did you say there were? Uh, I think this is 20. If there are 20, I'm guilty of seven. So I'm batting over 300 here. Oh, I'm probably guilty of more than that even. Yeah. So in Britain, we would be pretty much bottom of the barrel kind of people. Yeah, well, you know, we need uh, a glass of Merlot to... Uh, to <laughs> That's right. To, if we could just get a little lemonade with that in an ice cube, we'd be good to go. All right. Well, speaking of faux pas or maybe just bad judgment, more people have asked us questions, and we're heading back to the mailbag. <laughs> we will be right back. listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. And more questions are on the way. If you'd like to ask us a question and we will give you credit for it, or if you'd rather, we won't, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word, Rick and Paul Wine. And by the way, don't forget you can hear us on iTunes. Just look for us and subscribe with just one little bitty click. All right, this one is from uh, Richard Marmer in Folsom. It's a standard question. We get it a lot, but he asked it, and so we're going to answer it again, which is, what are the advantages, disadvantages of screw caps? Are they better for some kinds of wine than others? Wow. And, you know, this is one of those nice, simple questions, and the answer is only about four and a half hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Richard. It is uh, it is a tough one. Um, but the first simple thing is, is that um, there's nothing wrong with screw caps. I mean, we need to say that right away. And right away, that, that they yeah. are a fully functional closure for wine bottles. Yes. And Absolutely. I, and I'd say everything being even, uh, a screw cap on a white, a white that you're going to drink soon, always, always a good thing because, one, it's easy to get open. And if there's any cork taint or any kind of things, it's generally going to seal up pretty fine. And so so in, right. uh, with, with whites, it's almost like don't even worry about it. Yeah, and it, it, it is a really more complicated question because corks do add a slight amount of oxidation, which adds to the wine's development. So over time, as the wines age, the wines age differently under corks than they do under screw caps. This is all very, very small and technical stuff. Um, when you, given the fact that most wine in America is consumed within 24 hours of purchase, well over 90% of all the wine in America is consumed over 20, within 24 hours of purchase, how the wine ages with a screw cap or a cork seems to be a pretty stupid conversation unless yeah, you're talking about people, a very yeah. small percentage of the bottles. Right. Having said that, 
I, if I'm taking somebody out to a romantic dinner, my wife for our anniversary, there's something a little more romantic about I hope, a cork. I hope, by the way, if you're going on a romantic uh, dinner, it's with your it's wife. It's with my wife. Just well, saying. it could be with you, Rick. Yes. I mean, well, that's, that's the we, other option. Oh, I love staring into your eyes. But you like the cork. The cork is romantic. And most Americans agree with this. Most Americans say, you know, for a ceremonial, official kind of dinner, they prefer the, the wine cork. On the other hand, when I teach classes and I look out over the fact that I'm going to have to open right. 15 bottles of yeah. wine for my 35 students out there, and I see those screw caps in that lineup, I think, thank God, these are so easy compared to the courts. I will say that, because uh, I do I do events too, and now and then, and I, you know, I've got 30 bottles of wine to open in 15 yep. minutes before, and I want to, because I want to taste them all. Right. Sure, and Actually, yeah. a lot of times when I'm Picking the wines and picking ones with screw caps. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so yeah. for yeah. for sheer convenience. Uh, so advantages, yeah. disadvantages. Disadvantage of a screw cap is that it lacks the ceremony of a cork. Uh, disadvantage of a screw cap is if the winery doesn't really know the bottling. If this is the first time they've used them, they may not understand that they kind of have to adjust the balance of the wine a little bit for the screw cap. Uh, disadvantage of corks is that a very small percent, probably about 1% of all corks have some kind of small taint problem that'll affect the flavor of the wine. Uh, and you got to use a special tool to pull it out of the bottle. Yeah, I think that's it. You got a pointy thing and you could hurt yourself. I, it's, it's, although there's many ways I can hurt myself. So. All right, our next one comes from uh, Suzanne Rivers in Ventura. Mm. She sends, uh, can you send a wine back in a restaurant that you don't like? My husband ordered something we both hated, and I wanted to tell I wanted him to tell the waiter we didn't like it like we do when they overcook the chicken. Apparently they're going to the wrong restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> he said you, he said you can't do that with wine. I hate to say it, but I'm thinking he may be right. Hmm. <laughs> Please tell me he's not so I can lord it over him. Suzanne, sorry. I'll I disagree. Oh. And I disagree for two reasons. Well, it depends who picked the wine though. Yes, it does. It, it depends if the waiter if they asked for, we're looking for this kind of wine, and the waiter suggested this bottle, and they're drinking it, and they don't like it, they have every right to return it. Oh, absolutely. If they sold you the wine, they told you the wine, that, right. that's right. But if you chose the wine. If you chose the wine. Now, let's go back to that example of you're looking at a wine list where there's not a single bottle on there that you have any idea about. So you are completely blind. That's the the way to avoid this situation, Suzanne, is to say, I'm sorry, we don't recognize any of the wines on this list. Here's what we like. Which one of these wines come close? At that point, when they recommend the wine and then you don't you, like right. it, then you can say, eh, this isn't it. I want a different bottle. Right. Right. And that is, that is, a, that is, a, that is a huge difference because if they recommend it, absolutely. It, but it is not like the food where if the food's, no matter what happened with the food, if the chicken's overcooked, you can say the chicken's or even worse, are, are undercooked. undercooked. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, we had a situation like this, my wife and I, last night, night before last, where we went out to an Indian restaurant and she ordered for dessert the mango ice cream. And the waiter said very brightly, oh, we're completely out of mango ice cream, but we have lovely pistachio ice cream. It could be, no, it's even a different color. Okay, mm-hmm. my wife says, we'll try, it's my favorite. He says, great, we'll try it. Well, it came, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't like the mango ice cream, obviously. Didn't taste good. We took a couple spoonfuls and basically said, this stuff isn't really very good. We don't want it. The waiter came and said, oh, didn't you like the ice cream? And we said, no, it was very heavy, very rich, and it really wasn't anything like what we were hoping to eat. Okay, he said, left it on the bill. 
in a good restaurant, yeah, the waiter will off. look at that and yeah. say, wait a minute, I recommended that ice cream, and they didn't like it. I'm going to take it off the or, or at least he, he should have brought you a cookie. <laughs> you know, it's always my favorite dessert in restaurants, a cookie, which you can't ever really get, you know, but I would just <laughs> love to have a cookie. That's, right. that's, a, that's an, another <laughs> argument for another day is why can't you just get a cookie? All right. Uh, very, well, well, let's answer this last one very quickly so we can get to our food pairing. Uh, this is from Ellie in Petaluma. She says, do we need to care about the background of the YM Waker when I'm in a restaurant? I went to a place. They told me all about the family. They seemed very nice family. But I still didn't know if it'll go with my pasta. Yeah, perfect example of the wine being expression of the relationship. Between yes. Blah, 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 <laughs> yes. blah, 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 blah. Yes. I just want a glass of wine. Yes, yeah. yes. No, you don't need to know about it. It's fun sometimes to hear these stories. But the truth is, if all you want is a glass of wine to go with, as she says, my pasta, they ought to be able to sell you one without telling you whether the guy got married twice and how many times he's been divorced and who ended up with the family yeah. dog. And th- this is, a, and frankly, that, that, that goofy wet description was sort of a, a symptom of something that's not a bad thing in the wine world, which is that lots of people really are interested, especially when they start thinking about buying a bottle or from a winery, going to wineries, like learning who these people are. Right. They, we want a right. connection with really everything we eat and drink. Or something. But when you're in a restaurant, you don't ask about the family that raised the chicken. <laughs> oh, really? So it was, That's right. Yes. Do they have a dog? Mr. Foster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does Mr. Foster have a dog? Um, and, you know, and wine, it, 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 most people, there's always going to be an accession, but most sure. people are starting from the point of, will it taste good? Will it will taste I, good? Will I like this? Yes. I'm just having dinner, and I, I want to like my dinner. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they, they, they didn't help you out any, and you're, you're and completely And you don't right. need to care. Right. You, you do not be, need to care. Be, be happy and not caring. Yes. Well, speaking of not caring, we have one more thing you won't care about, which is our recommendation <laughs> on a food pairing. Okay. We will be right back. listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and our food pairing today is a rather broad category, but I thought since it's summer, we would take a couple of shots at it. Okay. Uh, which is brunch. It's brunch, brunch season. Time for brunch. Okay. So. Wow. Well, of course, you you know, you have a couple of combinations here because, the to me, brunch can be anything from light, fresh strawberries on pancakes to roast beef. I mean, there are restaurants that serve roast beef and ham for brunch. Yeah, roast beef doesn't sound right. Yeah. Ham, I get. You know, so, but but you, I'm thinking if it's right. if it's light and fun, you know, a mimosa yeah, is a classic. A yeah. Is a classic. That's yeah. orange juice and bubbly. Um, and the other thing, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, I love stuff like dry muscat, flowery, kind of soft, fun wine. Wine that just makes you feel like you're sitting in a garden, watching the flower, smelling the flowers. Everyone's dressed in floral prints, even you. Oh, I love a floral print. You know what I've been doing, though? I've been wearing my skirts a little higher lately because it's so hot. Yeah, so I agree. Well, and you know, you think about what's going on with most of your brunch foods, you know, whether it's a, a, a Benedict of some sort or eggs or, you know, it, or, yeah, but you got bacon and sausage. You've got I mean, a there's lot some of, stuff. You got a lot of salty can, things going on. You do. Yes, and uh, rather like us, people have called us that. <laughs> the uh, and so some of that and greasy right, too. <laughs> yeah. So you know all those all the brunch drinks are you know I mean and frankly a Bloody Mary is always a great place too. Yeah. Uh, but yep. you know the the ten the things that I like so much like a sparkling or a mimosa. Yep. Anything or bright any bright white would would do just fine too like a Sauvignon Blanc or light Pinot. Grigio, yep. you know, but and and like you said, even those 
a slight a slightly sweeter but bright white like mm-hmm. like a sweeter riesling might do well too yeah you know all all those sorts of things yep. the uh the it depends it, on which course of the brunch. Because if you go through true. the first time and you have the pancakes and the fruit, and then you go through the second time and you have the smoked salmon with the dill, and then you go through the third time and you have the ham and the bacon and the sausage, you can have three different glasses of wine there. Which is also not a bad thing for brunch. Just remember that you're taking a nap afterwards. <laughs> All <Yeah>. day long. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, 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 the bottomless mimosas work great. The, you know, the other side of it is for folks who do go out for brunch for the lunch part of the unch part of brunch. The unch of brunch. And, and then and then once again you're sort you are in you, there's nothing wrong with a, a light red as well right yeah you know, so you know right. the there are it's brunch brunch has no rules the uh one of one of the places around me is, which is a wine bar um but they they tend to especially specialize in italian varietals mm. and they uh they have a sandwich that's a crunchy dark bread and pastrami and it's a great brunch mm. sandwich because that, that comes mm. with this little light bright sandwich you know and now now you're into some pretty decent sized reds for something sure. like that you know sure. chianti was really good with it by yep. the way yeah yep. so you know there's uh, the uh and then the question is who's at brunch with you because if it's your aunt john and your whole family, and you're ordering bottles, then you're probably better off picking something that everybody's going to like. And white Zinfandel, not a bad choice for not a lot a of bad brunch choice. foods. Yeah. Um, and whereas if it's just you and me, Rick, and we're going straight to the ham pastrami, and then we may be going for a heavier, a heavier bottle. So you yeah. got to make if you're ordering for the whole table, you got to make everybody happy. Well, that is always the case, and uh, I think I hope we've made people happy. We make everybody happy. We have done. We have done what we could. Uh, you know, and they. Uh, it's so well, we've had our, our share of faux pas. I'm. I'm at, at some. Some people. I have. Some, I have, My dog has four paws. Yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes I. I, uh, I think that uh, just listening, to, putting our show on the air is a faux pas. In any case, that's it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our engineer is Matt Bassini. Thanks, thank, Matt. Thank you to Capital Public Radio for the studio use. As always, if you'd like to ask us a question that we can answer, go to rickandpaulwine.com. Or if we can't answer, same place. And remember, you can find us on iTunes and subscribe for free with just a click. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's really, you don't want to be annoying. Don't be a wine snob. Just that simple. Don't act like us. And don't act like us. That's the other way. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially with us. Especially with us.